Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to start this week and apologize a little bit for the audio quality on this recording. I am having to record it from the road this week, and so it may not come through as well as we normally expected, but I hope it's serviceable. With that, I'll also remind you, as I do every week, that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice, but instead just my thoughts and our firm's thoughts on what's happening in the market and the economy right now. If you'd like to discuss how it might relate to your personal portfolio, I'd encourage you to give us a call. You know, it was a pretty quiet week on Wall Street last week. The President's Day holiday started things out slow with the market closed. The remaining four trading days did not encompass a lot of new economic information to drive the markets forward or cause much consternation. The most notable new data sets were probably what we saw on manufacturing and services PMI. Both of those came out on Thursday and both were positive. Anything over 50 is expansionary and manufacturing came in at 51.5 and services came in at 51.3. I would say services maybe lagged expectations a little bit, but both were pretty solid. And so the steady advances of U.S. equities continued. The major indices saw themselves close at nearly all-time highs on Friday. It's not been a bad start to the year so far. It really wasn't the economic data we got last week, though, that moved any needles for the market. Instead, I'd argue it was commentary from two of the biggest players in the game, notably Jerome Powell and Warren Buffett. We'll let you decide who has had a bigger impact on the markets in their careers, but no matter your opinion of both men, I'd argue they're pretty important. Powell's comments weren't really comments at all, but instead the release of the FOMC meeting minutes. We all know they're horribly dry, but the minutes, when we take them as kind of an ongoing, albeit one-sided conversation between the Fed and the market, can really start to provide some guidance and insight about what's coming down the road. And that has been one of our biggest concerns as we started this year. The economic data looks great. The fact that we're in a presidential election year historically bodes pretty well for the market. It is this conversation between the Fed and the market about rate cuts and what's going to happen that has really continued to be our big holdup with the markets. Powell and company have been consistently more hawkish than expected. And like it or not, it's worked. We've talked in recent weeks about the market coming into this year expecting seven rate cuts. Originally, they were thinking the first one would start next month, while the Fed was predicting only three and starting much later. But this story goes much further back than that. It was 14 months ago that we had a podcast outlining our concerns that the market was getting a little bit ahead of itself on the idea that the Fed was going to cut rates in May of last year. In January of last year, the market was expecting the Fed to start cutting rates in May of 2023. When those cuts didn't materialize and it became clear that this process would take much longer than expected, equity markets suffered a substantial sell-off. While 2023 was a great year in the market for a full year, it did not seem that fun when markets were down 10% over three months leading into the fall. And so here we are, 14 months later, debating when rate cuts are going to happen. Powell and the FOMC were clear in their minutes. They are done raising rates. That's good news. But they are in no rush to cut. Take this quote from the minutes. Quote, in discussing the policy outlook, 
Participants judged that the policy rate was likely at its peak for this tightening cycle. They pointed to the decline in inflation seen during 2023 and to growing signs of demand and supply coming into better balance in products and labor markets as informing that view. Participants generally noted that they did not expect it would be appropriate to reduce the target range for the federal funds rate until they had gained greater confidence that inflation was moving sustainably towards 2%. So that gets us to how has the market responded. Our concern has always been the gap between the market's expectation for cuts and the Fed's. Would confirmation of a slower and smaller cut this year cause a downturn like we saw last year? That's what we were worrying about in December. We can now say with some level of confidence that the answer is no. Why? Well, The market was up notably last week after the report, and the expectations the market was putting on rate cuts are now lining up almost exactly with the Fed. Probabilities have now officially been changed from seven rate cuts to three rate cuts, with the market going up throughout that time. That's good news. Our fears in this case have proven to be unfounded. That brings us to Warren Buffett. Regular listeners to this podcast know that we, like most people in our space, reserve a certain level of admiration for Mr. Buffett. What he's been able to do with Berkshire Hathaway over the last 60 years is nothing short of remarkable. The sheer number of times you have heard me steal his be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful quote should remind you that his philosophies have a lot of staying power. On Saturday, he released his annual shareholder letter. This one started out on an understandably somber note as he eulogized his long-term partner, Charlie Munger. But as he got into the heart of things, it was pure Buffett. More than anything, however, it provided an excellent reminder that the things that people in my industry worry about, i.e., what's the market reaction going to be to Fed minutes, really don't matter in the long run. You know, Buffett's known for his bluntness and his honesty in these letters, and and frankly, in all of his communications. There was a good bit of both this year. For example, he bluntly reminded investors that the sheer size of Berkshire Hathaway is now its biggest enemy. I'm going to quote him here. There remain only a handful of companies in this country capable of truly moving the needle at Berkshire, and they have been endlessly picked over by us and by others. Some we can value, some we can't. And if we can... They have to be attractively priced. Outside of the U.S., there are essentially no candidates that are meaningful options for capital deployment at Berkshire. All in all, we have no possibility of eye-popping performance. How many CEOs do you know that will tell their investors, hey, the game's up. The thing that Berkshire was so long known for, big acquisitions of attractive businesses at attractive prices, is no longer available to them because they have sized themselves out of the market. That could be considered a problem when Mr. Buffett's company is sitting on more than $160 billion in cash. Yeah, they can go get more attractive rates on that cash today than they could three years ago, but that is still a lot of money not working for investors. But that also leads us to remember what Mr. Buffett calls his, quote, not-so-secret weapon at Berkshire Hathaway. They have an ability to respond and deploy cash when markets struggle. Let me give you one more final quote from Buffett that I think is an excellent lesson in investor behavior. Quote, occasionally markets and or the economy will cause stocks and bonds of some large and fundamentally good businesses to be strikingly mispriced. Indeed, markets can and will unpredictably seize up or even vanish 
as they did for four months in 1914 and for a few days in 2001. If you believe that American investors are now more stable than in the past, think back to September of 2008. Speed of communication and the wonders of technology facilitate instant worldwide paralysis. Such instant panics won't happen often, but they will happen. It wouldn't surprise us if Berkshire Hathaway's stock is off early this week, as investors say, Warren doesn't have the ability to deploy the cash. That's short-term thinking. That's exactly what Buffett is referencing. Good businesses with good managers and fortress balance sheets will do well over the long term, but we all have to have the patience to see it play out. So while folks like us are worrying about the hour-to-hour or day-to-day debate about things like the FOMC meeting minutes, you need to think about things like Warren Buffett. Investing is a lifelong game, and fluctuations, even last year's 10% decline, are just bumps in the road. I'll leave you with this. In this week's memo, I ended with a chart of the stock market from 1962, the year Warren Buffett bought Berkshire Hathaway until today. And I show you in that perspective what last year's 10% bump meant. Frankly, it meant nothing over the long term. It's a really important perspective to have. And one, honestly, that only somebody who's been doing it for 62 years like Warren Buffett and doing it at that level can truly respect, but we have to strive to respect it as well. We'll leave it there this week. As always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We can be reached at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can always visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm. 